Um, tonight, we get a special time uh, to remember and think about the Shaf Wallace and uh, just praise God for the, the time and the ministry that they've had in Utah and um, celebrate them leaving, send them off well. So I asked for uh, my brother Aaron here uh, to just kind of go back in memory and to try to recall some of the things that uh, the Shafwala family has been through in Utah, just to share those things with you as they, uh, they conclude their time here. You, you guys are heading out when? Tomorrow morning at... <laughs> we have like probably 30, 45 more minutes of truck loading, finessing to do. And then we're going to pray over the house and leave. Amen. So tomorrow morning, it's going down. All righty. Um, I had a bunch of questions I want to ask you, and I'm going to try to not be distracting by crying hard tonight, <laughs> but looking forward to sharing with uh, others here just what the Shalaf Wallaf clan means to me, and uh, I know that I'm not alone in any of those thoughts. So. Brother, if you would uh, just start for us this evening, it's going to come right out of the shoot. I know that Aaron even got all organized and prepared some slides here and some photos. Be kind of fun to look at. But I wanted us to kind of ask you, uh, when you guys moved to Utah, when did that happen? Why did you come out? And give us kind of a little uh, a rundown of, of the first few years out here. So we moved here in December of 2005. Rewind. When I met Stacy at Wright State University at Campus Crusade for Christ, she did a mission trip out to New Zealand. And I thought, I want to do a mission trip. So I found Russ East with Utah Partnerships for Christ. And I came out here. He didn't know what to do with me because I just kept, I kept uh, wanting to go downtown and do evangelism. I got hooked on it. I loved it. So I just would sleep in the back of a vacuum shop and get on a bus, keep going and going. So when I got back to Ohio, I said, Stacy, if you marry me, I'll probably take you out to Utah. <laughs> and uh, so... Some stuff happened, but it made it just an opportune time to go. And uh, I crossed the border into Utah December 10th in uh, 2005 with my dad. And when we arrived, we had zero friends and zero family in Utah. Um, so we had Russ East as a point of contact up in Ogden, but um, I had no friends. And I, I decided, it was just the demographic question, where, where's the most concentrated place I should reach. So I ended up in Orem in a basement apartment with Stacy. She's just com completely pregnant. And it was, <laughs> I mean, uh, she, my wife was amazing. So um, we came from a church that was faithful. And, um, but I had gotten my uh, appetite whetted by expository preaching elsewhere. And so I remember thinking, man, if I get to choose a new church, in Utah, I don't care if the demographics are off. I don't care if the youth group stinks. I don't care if the music's kind of weird. Um, I, you know, everything else is subpar, but they have expository preaching. If they're preaching through the Bible, then I'll take it. And so the first sermon we, uh, service we went to at a local church, we thought that's probably more of an interactional model. Faithful, good, genuine Christian brothers it's probably the, in a different direction, though, in some sense. So I went, we went to another church. It was called Lighthouse Baptist Church in American Fork. The family lived in Eagle Mountain and met in a hotel lobby with about four or five regular families. I think half the church was just the Ortegas with their, all their kids. 
Um, and nobody was even clear near our age. And they didn't have any musical help. So they had some lady pre-record hymns on a keyboard, and they'd bring the keyboard out, and they'd push play. And at some point, we had a new guy show up, move in from out of town, and he played the trumpet. So he got behind the pulpit, and he played the trumpet while we sang worship songs. And he was like a marching band kind of mentality guy, so it was like boom, boom, boom. And so we didn't have any close via demographic affinity friends and we didn't have any like amazing small groups and we didn't have amazing music but Matthew Ortega preached the word of God faithfully as a good pastor and I thought I'll take it happily I was pretty brash maybe in my evangelism bold to put it positively Um, and I was using any relationships I had to share the gospel so it was really hard for Stacey and I to make friends (laughs) in the community. Even we went to like a birthing class. Remember that? At the end of the birthing class, poor Stacy, she's just trying to make friends. I was handing out evangelistic packets to everybody in the birthing class. And, our, and we handed out DVDs to all of our neighbors in the whole apartment complex. And the next morning we had a big pile of DVDs just thrown in front of our front door and even like a chalked X in front of the door. So, I mean, we were in it to win it, you know, so. But, uh, but Stacy, you know, she went through a lot. So we ended up moving up to Salt Lake County, Salt Lake County, and we ended up going to a church up here called Lifeline Community. We spent seven years there, and it was faithful and expository, and we were fed the Word of God, and we made friends. And, um, but I maybe have some fun with pictures here. So in 2007... I started going downtown to Temple Square regularly on Thursday nights, and uh, they had choir practice, so at the north or south gate, I'd just hand out visitor guides and tracks, and um, a lot of times it was alone, a lot of times I'd maybe get one other friend to come, and it was just pounding hard soil, and uh, being an immature evangelist, not knowing what I'm doing, and it took my son a couple times. This is pretty special. Um, so we can, uh, we can stop there. Uh, do you remember when we first met? I think it was at the Capstone Conference. Yeah. Randy Sweet, who worked with Mormonism Research Ministry, who's an evangelist, in, uh, introduced us to each other. So you know, Laura and I moved out here in uh, 2013, September. And that uh, Christmas was the first Christmas without, like, family around, and we didn't really know anybody out here either. We came out. It was just us, and most of our clan wasn't born yet. And so uh, we went up to a, a, a church of a friend of ours up in Centerville, uh, Lauren Pankratz at, at the Bridge community up there. It's another converged church. It was the only other converged church in the state at the time. And so we just went up there for their uh, Christmas Eve service, I just enjoyed kind of being around Christians uh, together there because we've been kind of just going to all the different churches in the valley each Sunday morning is to get to know what was down here as we're learning for, uh, after moving on out here. And we met the sweets. And uh, uh, I don't know how it happened, but Laura just was like, why don't you come over for Christmas morning to our house? And they were like, okay. So they just came over. We're all in pajamas hanging out there doing Christmas time in the morning with them. And by the end of the day, Randy, Randy turns to Carol and he goes, 
If you know Randy, he goes like this. He goes, you know, you know, Carol, we got to introduce this guy to Aaron. That's how he says it. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, happy to meet whoever you want me to meet. And uh, he invited me to the Capstone Conference and uh, brought me over, like, after it was over. I think Sandra Tanner was talking or something at the time. He brings me over, and he goes, I want you to meet Aaron. And that was the first time I said hi to you, and I think invited you to come to, I don't know. We weren't even meeting yet at that time, but. At some point, we started meeting together in your home? Yep. So February was our first meeting. I'm, virtu- I'm pretty certain it was a Sunday night. I know it was a Sunday night. It was Super Bowl Sunday, wasn't it? Because we had, like, two fam- two, uh, three families there, and I was like, um, I didn't realize it was Super Bowl Sunday when I did it because we were just thinking straight up about reaching people I didn't think about it. But they came, and uh, within the first month of us gathering is when I met you, I'm pretty sure. And uh, within a month or two of that, you guys uh, came on over uh, to, to, the, to the house church gathering we had there, and uh, it wasn't long before you said you wanted to join up with us. Yeah, and we loved Lifeline community, so we, were, we didn't want to leave. Stacy did not want to leave. She had um, a squad of ladies that had taken years of friendships to develop. And so there were a lot of tears. And she followed me to the mission church, but it was under a little bit of protest. <laughs> it was like, we've got kids. This is working out really well. I've got my friends in Christ discipleship group. Our kids program was we dumped a bucket of toys in the basement <laughs> and then just closed the door. But I think uh, your, you and I's friendship started to develop really mostly downtown. And so you and I would go, we'd carpool, we'd go to downtown and we'd do evangelism together. In the blue shirt there, you'll see Randy Sweet. Just to the left of the blue shirt on the right is Rich and on the very right, it's Paul Stoddard. I don't know if anybody knows him. He's a pretty cool guy. But we would just do evangelism. And for that, that's just a rhythm of you meet, you pray, you hand out tracts, you get into some pretty epic conversations about the gospel. And then you get in the car. Well, not yet. You, you get together, you pray, maybe you sing together. And then you debrief on the way home. Maybe you get some McDonald's. Um, but you debrief. And you do that enough together, um, it's like its own battlefield. You've got really sweet conversations where you're glorying in the gospel together and the opportunity to share the gospel or, you know, just a difficult conversation or a difficult topic. And so there's a ton of processing and it's hard not to grow with brothers in Christ doing that, sweating together. Um, I think at one point you... Uh, came down Manti too. That's a fun memory. But <clears throat> I think you were going to ask me in the list of questions. I'm just thinking about it right now. Why, why the mission church? Yeah. Why join? For me, it was you became my friend and you were going to plant a church and we were doing evangelism together and you had a backbone and you loved the word of God and the logic was really simple. Well, I don't want to see my friend burn out. I, that's really it. I just, I don't want to see another church uh, burn out. Uh, evangelism, uh, ministry and church planning in Utah can be really lonely, uh, disheartening, pounded hard soil. 
So I thought, oh, I'll stack chairs with that guy. And we stacked a lot of chairs. <laughs> you guys are so lucky in here. <laughs> There's a lot of audio equipment unloading and loading. Some of y'all know this, like the Wilsons here. Oh, man, so much loading and unloading. So at some point here, we started meeting at the Adventure Church. And that was this, they deserve our uh, gratitude. Um, the pastor at the time, since deceased, uh, welcomed you and to set up shop on Sunday nights. And so Stacy and I were totally doing double church. We were just in denial about leaving Lifeline. So we'd go to Lifeline in the mornings and we'd go to Mission Church in the evening for like six months. And then we finally just moved over. But um, Real quick, yeah. of the people who are here, does anyone here remember services at our house? Shawfle, Laura, Laura's like, I remember. Bethany, do you remember? Do you remember when we did services at our house? <laughs> she was pretty young. Stacy and Aaron uh, and the Smith family who are with us. They're not here tonight, oh, but they, 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 were, they were there. They were, they were there the first week we had met. Aaron actually introduced me to um, Stranger Evangelism on the street. It became a real sweet time. But when I, when I first moved out, um, there wasn't a church to run. And so I invested a ton of my time just reading every single thing I could get my hands on about Mormonism, pounding through the quad, and then reading every other book that I could get my hand on and learning about it, and met with every possible ministry leader, pastor, anyone doing ministry with Mormons out here that I could, got to know them. And that was really helpful. But nothing helped me understand the thinking and the mindset of the people here that we learned to love. Nothing did that like evangelism. So that was a sweet, like, uh, just a, a, such a win at every level. And I was introduced to that by, by my brother Aaron. And it was. It was like battling together. And um, it was such a camaraderie because of that. It's a special team doing that. Um, so we got into Sunday nights, July of that year. And uh, uh, raise your hand if you went to a service then when we went to the Adventure Church. Yeah, Austin and Kate. You guys weren't even, you were in high school. You weren't even married yet. They came. My wife's like, who's, who's these, this young couple over here? Uh, do you, you don't even have a beard yet. You had a clean face and everything. Can you do the hands again? Adventure Church, who came when we were there on Sunday nights? The Wilsons were there. The Smiths yep. were a really big part of that. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So uh, I just have a ton of evangelism pictures. Well, hold on. Um, you guys need to know, Aaron led worship with a guitar oh. at the Adventure Church. You were so nice about it afterwards. You were like... Thanks, brother. <laughs> no, I don't even, I, I don't remember it like that. I was just like, oh, that was good. We can make this work. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> it you, gonna, you should play a song tonight before you leave. <laughs> oh, man, just no. <laughs> so this picture's neat because on the right here, you've got in the white shirt. Does anybody know who, the, who that is? Can anybody squint? Oh, yeah. That is Holt Nichols. In the black shirt. And in the black shirt, you've got Brandon Nichols. They were regulars downtown. And the reason I have some of these pictures popping up is that the Mission Church, I think, was its infancy and its growth, in some ways its birth, was out of two things. One is boldness, and then two is out of the brotherhood of evangelism. And so there's a lot of people here that are here either directly or indirectly because of relationships made through evangelism. Um, and then we, at the very, at the infancy of the church, we would meet at Beans and Brew. So loud. 
<laughs> We're gonna ask them to turn the music down. <laughs> but and this is this was the Mission Church men, men, here, right here. Mark Rosen Warren in the back. Uh, Jay's brother Rob on the very right. Randy in the center. Mark Smith on the left, and some drop-in guy on the very left. And there's me taking the picture. But that was that's the Mission Church men, basically. A few other guys missing, maybe. We started that, it was like a 5.30 a.m. or something like that? Something ridiculous. It was hardcore. Yeah, it, it, at the beginning, uh, our children's, this was basically our youth group or our children's program, and I just want to spend some time here honoring my wife. Um, she invested herself so much on Sunday nights. She'd take all the Sanford kids and the Shoffwell of kids, which was basically the Mission Church kids, um, and she would just prepare and put her heart into it, and then she'd teach, and she loved those kids. She loved them so much. So this is, this is like the youth group room of the Adventure Church. And Stacy would just invest herself over and over again in these kids. Um, I even found a little video. I won't play it, but... Um, and this, so this is the Adventure Church lobby that we met in. That's, that was our seating arrangement. Um, I can't see that it's too dark here, but if, if I, you might see Leslie Rose Warren, Mark Rose Warren, the Smith, you guys see the Smiths at the very front back, or the, sorry, the, to the right? They, they were, they've never changed. They, come, they still come to the front and they sort of line up. Um, and then we had the Loggenbox, Juanita. The Loggenbox, yeah. Loggenbox. John and Juanita. Um, so they moved to Texas, yeah. At some point, we got, I think we outgrew the space. And we moved no. over to the South Jordan Community Center. Say again? We did not grow that. Oh, oh. I embellished that then. <laughs> Go ahead. Correct me, please. Counting like a Baptist when you say that kind of thing. But, uh, I, I, mean, I was inferring because it was like, oh, we moved. Why did we move? I forget it, why we moved. It was uh, Sunday nights were a little bit harder. It didn't feel like a typical uh, um, rhythm for believers. Uh, together at night times like that. A lot, a lot of kids, little kids, disproportionate number of little kids. Well, I guess about typical proportions <laughs> now, but just a lot of little kids. It was just kind of a harder slot, school night and things like that too. So um, we had for a long time wanted to meet on Sunday mornings. Story for another day, but God just provided a way for us to get into the South Jordan Community Center um, because a, a woman who worked the front desk at the community center as her, as her job one Sunday night, because uh, she was an attendee at the uh, uh, Adventure Church, she poked her head in, saw us, oh, sorry, closed the door, and then made a connection with a note on her desk from a guy from the Mission Church that called to see if we could rent it. So she called back, and we locked it on. And we started setting up chairs in the little open foyer area there, um, and we did that for, for a little while. I think seminary should teach chair stacking, because that is half of church planning. Yeah. Again, Stacy continues to teach the kids, and the brothers at the mission continue to do evangelism together. You see Brandon Nichols there on the right, Rich there in the gray T-shirt. I can't see the rest, but we just kept at it. We had some really neat memories at the park. Um, that used to be the mission church color. And I remember Stacy one time saying, does this have to be the, our color? And I was like, oh, uh, no, I guess not. <laughs> so we, we have blue now. That, that's partly Michael, too. Kevin is get, get that color. But that's what, that's used, that used to be the way we, we would roll. And you got Rich's artwork there on the very right. And we're, we're just, you know, we're soliciting and, and, and advertising for the, the kids' camp. The kids' camp was such a huge part of the mission church. 
And so we had the Smiths back there inflating balloons, and probably the Wilsons were there that year helping out. Um, but kids camp was such a really sweet time. Uh, is that Carrie White there? The, the Whites were a really sweet part of, of the infancy of our church. And uh, there was so much put into the kids camp. So many people from our church, especially the women, poured themselves into serving these kids and these, these mission teams that would graciously come out. It's also a big headache. It was a lot of work <laughs> for y'all. Uh, that was a lot of, I mean, it was, it was a good headache to have. It's worth it, but it was. Evidently, there are lots of kids in South Jordan, and uh, it turned out to be yeah. always two times larger than our church body was, <laughs> so it was just a lot to do. Uh, you another? Yeah, why don't you go on what's next? Let's keep going through the, the order. So you and I were meeting at Starbucks, just you and me. Yeah, that's right. And we were talking about church foundational stuff. Mm-hmm. So you would ask me questions like, Aaron, what's your weirdest belief? Like, you were trying to s- smell me out, sniff me out. Like, <laughs> like wh- are there any doctrines? What's that you- doctrine you're a little bit embarrassed about? Do you have any doctrines you're going to surprise me with later that I need to know about now? Um, also, what's our theology of church? Uh, what, what are the values of a good and sound church? And we would, we would just go, any, you know, we would just talk theology and go through the Bible and pray for each other. Um, we used to other. jog together down by the, oh, yeah. the river. Remember that? We'd meet up really early and go about the, 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 the Jordan River. Jordan River. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. It was good stuff. Um, we had a men's group meet, start meeting at my place. Oh, this is a funny story. Okay, so you used to live here at this, this is daybreak. Oh, yeah, that's the house we moved into when we, we first arrived here. We, re- so- we rented it. From other believers we met in the valley. No, you move to your house, yep. and Stacy and I are like, well, this place is owned by Christians, and we want to kind of try daybreak out. So we ended up moving into the rental unit that you had. And so we adopted, or we inherited. So, so all of our neighbors were like, finally, those Christians are gone, and then they move in. <laughs> I remember I got a knock on the door from Roy. He was, no, 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 no. It was Halloween, and I knocked on his door, and I, with my kids asking for candy, and he goes, I know who you are. <laughs> I've seen all your YouTube videos. <laughs> That's a lot of videos. <laughs> uh, but we had a men's group there, and that, that was really special because we had Jared McCall, who I don't think at the time was a believer, and he, it was, he was just so, like, he was just there, and so we just shared the gospel. It's pretty simple. You'll see uh, Rob White and Grant Schwartz and David Jelsma. Grant was a huge part of the early. He, he, he really poured himself. He deserves honor for the help he put into the church with music and just all the practical stuff. Such a servant's heart. I saw him at Home Depot yesterday. Um, and then, uh, man, Jared became a really close brother to us. He, he became like a strong brother who loved his Bible and loved doctrine and Wow, what a, I mean, just, I mean, when you think about the mission church and you think about the things that like, like what, what are the, like the, the occasional fruits that God gives us that make us just go, ah, oh, thank you, Lord. McCall's, I mean, the McCall, how did the McCall's even get to know us? Kids camp. And it's Stacy who like corralled Sadie over and invited her to church. So they, they came to kids camp. And one of the things we taught was the Trinity. And so 
<laughs> Holden was really little at the time, and he goes home and he tells his mom and daddy, "We've learned that Jesus is God. Jesus is God." And his dad was like, "Oh, oh, well, um, I think I think Jesus is." Father is God. No, Jesus is God. And then he quoted, which I don't remember which of the verses it was, but he quoted whatever Bible verse it was that we taught them that week. John, 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 1, 1. John 1, maybe? I forget which year, what it was that year. But they looked at each other after they heard the Bible verse. They're like, uh, he knows more of the Bible than we do maybe right now. Let's go to church. Yeah, and they did. And you, I think Sadie met you and Sadie met Laura and praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Came to know the Lord, got baptized at our church. and Just sweet memories with Stacy and her ladies and their, her retreats and all the time she spent investing in the ladies. This is the, the community center at some point. Um, we moved into the bigger room. Oh, yeah, we moved from room to room. A little more of an echo in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but good memory. There's, there's Jared on the very right. So slow growth, trickle, slow growth. And then any time the rich thought it was growing too fast, he would just preach a sermon that would just... <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm overstating. Uh, <laughs> There were, there were, there's a few milestones in the Mission Church where you did a sermon series that caused a few families. I shouldn't laugh when I say that. It, it's, it's half, it's, it's, it's half so, sobering and half, you know, you look back with joy, but um, Rich never shied away. I mean, I mean, think about all the attractional model philosophy you're going to get in Christendom. And the advice you get for how not to preach to draw more people, Rich just cut through all that, and he would just preach the truth. And my, my assessment of Rich was that, I, mean, I remember calling Rich for advice one night, and I said, Rich, I have this thing I've been invited to, but it's going to be really big bother to do it, and it, it, it feels like it's going to cost a lot to make it happen, and some time, and... Um, and Rich, Rich's way of helping me make a decision was, well, what does your flesh say? <laughs> well, my flesh doesn't want to go. Well, contradict your flesh and go. <laughs> just, it probably wasn't that crude the way you say it, but it was just, it was just like battle with your flesh. Don't, don't do what your flesh wants. Um, you know, we, we take our cues mainly from what the Spirit wants and what the Word of God says, but what your flesh is crying out probably is a secondary indicator of, like, what you're warring against. And so Rich was really teaching me to war against my fleshly inclinations. Is the world and your flesh saying, don't mention that helpful topic from the pulpit? Rich is like, okay, we're going to talk about that on December 11th. Um, we're going to do a sermon series about this because this is both edifying and true and clear, and we ought to say something out loud about this. It's in the Bible and our flesh is crying out not for us to talk about this. So let's, let's not talk about Mormonism from the pulpit in Utah. That's a big no-no. And Rich, I think his path was, no, let's talk about it, but let's normalize talking about such issues with dignity uh, in a repeatable way such that you can invite your neighbors to church. We may, we may make them cringe, but we'll do it with dignity and respect and truth and love and kindness and um, uh, I appreciate you, brother. There's a lot of times you've made my flesh cringe. I love hearing the truth. I love being fed. And one of my favorite things to say to Rich after a Sunday morning is thanks for f washing my family with the water of the word this morning. Most meals I have ever had, I have never remembered. 
I've had a lot of burgers from Five Guys. I've had a lot of meals from Stacy. Very few of them stand out as worthy of like singular, singular merit. There's that one uh, peach cobbler you made. But, um, but the point is that we eat three times a day and we don't remember most of our meals and yet they feed us and they keep us alive. That's, where most sermon, that's how most sermons are. There's very few memorable sermons you're going to get from a good pastor. What you're going to get is faithful uh, plodding forward and feeding and drinking. And it's just a steady, stable, meaty diet of the word of God. If I keep coming back here, my family is going to get the word. And if I stay here for decades, God willing, then I will grow deep roots and become an oak tree by God's grace. Good memory here is the baptism of, of is this Sterling? Sterling, good memory. We got John in the green shirt. John Wilson is the late husband of Lana Wilson. This was a very sweet memory. Um, but and, and your list of questions was, was some of your hardest memories and some of your favorite memories. Uh, the death of John Wilson definitely comes to mind. Remember waking up in the morning and realizing I'd missed a bunch of calls from Lana. This is a sad morning. Kind of a bittersweet memory was that day we still decided to go to Temple Square, at least a few of us. And Jim Troister and I carpooled up to Salt Lake City and we were on the street doing evangelism and we were weeping together. And that's one of your best friends, so... We were processing together. <clears throat> God was good, though. Uh, he provided as a hard, hard memory. But the mission church continued to grow. You can see there are a little less empty chairs. Um, one of my favorite memories is the introduction of Bradley Campbell to the body of Christ. Um, I'm going to have some pictures of that later. Goofy young guy. Sincere. Loved our kids, loved doctrine, loved the Bible, joyful. I remember you and I think, you and I, I think we, I think we, in an elders' meetings, um, we're a lot alike in elders' meetings, I think, and we, um, hopefully it's not giving out too much information, but at an elders' meeting, we, like, Rich and I kind of go at it with each other. <laughs> we, we hash things out. And that's the time for it. I actually think this is one reason why God designed men to be elders, is that so we could rhetorically punch each other a bit and, um, and then, like, go eat pie afterwards. And God blesses the church through that. But uh, Rich and I talk a lot, and, you know, we're same age, around 38, 39, and we, we're cognizant of the fact that we're still relatively pretty young. In an elder board, you typically want some older guys. And so we prayed for a third elder. And God sent one named Benjamin Jensen. Um, Benjamin is, he's a very kind, manly woodworker who loves the Lord, who chooses his words very carefully. So this this is a Who will never leave Utah, <laughs> ever. 
this, this picture, I, I, I kind of snapped it real quick in an elders meeting. And this is how I know Ben. He leans back in his chair. He mostly listens carefully. And Rich and I are going at it, talking about us. We're speed talk. We're speed talkers. We're aggressive conversationalists. And at some point, Ben chimes up and you and I shut up. Because when Ben has something to say, you listen. He doesn't just talk to talk. He's very careful with his words. And our elder board was immediately blessed to have him. And we felt like there was a stable anchor added to the elder board. This is how we lost some people from the church. (laughs) Let's do membership. Let's teach and preach the importance of having an explicit and expressed commitment to a particular local church submitting to a particular body of elders. And I don't think that we did have a good number of people that ended up leaving me, but I don't think it was because of membership. Membership yeah. caused people to go, wait a second, are we really in with all that's a good point. The, the, the statement of faith and everything? And so that's what happened, is it kind of gave a moment for, wow, we need to find a church that we can say we're on board with all of those doctrines, we're going to go do this. And so it was, it was a healthy and a good thing, but it was hard, hard to manage. Rich insisted that we have uh, elder you know, meetings with people who are considering membership. And so this would, just echoing what you said, it would be an opportunity to talk about where people were at doctrinally and belief-wise. We really wanted to do due diligence, not just sign here. We wanted to make sure people understood what they were expressing commitment to. And that created conversations about our theology as a church. Um, We don't require our members to hold to certain things that we expect the elders to teach. But there's a certain amount of things that we, we're going to, if you join our church, we're going to press men to be men, be responsible for their families, and that the way those details work out, sometimes it, you know, it, anyway, continue to do more evangelism. There's Bradley on the right. Bradley and I became good friends through the carpooling and the work of evangelism. Bradley became pretty close to me, or I felt like he, he, he became a close friend. Um, <clears throat> at some point, we were scoping out the building here. And we were like, how are we going to do this? And you masterminded so much of this, brother, you and Ben. So this, this place here didn't look like this at all. Okay, I'm going to be anachronistic here. It's probably out of order. Come back to the building Good memories, Bradley coming over to our little house in Sandy at the time and uh, playing chess with Hannah. And Hannah would just move pieces around and she'd throw up her hands up in the air and she'd say, I win, I win. And Bradley was just so sweet to her. But we formed more friendships and more fellowship from people at this church, like a good cluster and chunk of brothers doing evangelism together. Um. The shearings here were a big part of that in the earliest seasons of evangelism. Lee became a very close friend to me, partly through evangelism, working together. So we ended up moving into the building here, and we had so much help. I wish I had more pictures of this, but... We we got into the building, I think like December 1st, and we had our first service planned for Christmas Eve. 
And so we had to do everything as fast as we could. And so everybody came in and pitched in. <laughs> that was hectic. Now, we had, there was this glue that was underneath the old carpet. All the old carpet was glued down every square inch. I think JP, Wilson, he, he like spent hours just on like one patch and got it for us. When was that Christmas? Christmas. This is Christmas. This was very sweet for us to be here. Not stacking chairs anymore. <laughs> no audio equipment to tear down. Mark Shearing had his soundboard just there. And he could have presets. But there was a lot of work that we did to get that carpet in. Oh, here's the dreaded, yeah, here's the stage. Remember that, Jim? That was purgatory. That was bad. Uh, this is our... Um, so this skips ahead to other stuff, but my favorite memories, I, I have a hard time putting a finger on favorite memories of the Mission Church, but my sweetest seasons at the Mission Church were with my small groups. And we did one small group, and I'll, I'm going to commend this model to you, and I, I'd say make sure you do this to accommodate all different kinds of people, but um, the way we did this small group by design was that we had the gendered meetups. So the dudes would meet at Honeysuckle Coffee. Great place. Um, and we would meet at like 6.30, I don't know, 7 in the morning. And we'd go, we would, the four of us, Andrew, Lee, Mike, me, we'd go through the word together. And you have to understand for, uh, when, when, you, when you're discipling people in a church, you're growing a church, you're dealing with a lot of people who've never been in a small group, who've never been in a gendered discipleship group, never been in a Bible study before. So this is all new. So we got to like go through the Bible together, confess our sins to one another as men and pray together, drink coffee together. And the ladies would do something comparable to that at a different time, working through some sort of material. And so what we did, the four of us couples, and you could, you could incorporate this with people who are single too, is that once a month, we would just collectively meet, the whole families. So we'd have this big dinner, and man, the Millers can cook. Oh, so good. It's so appropriate you own a Traeger, brother. Um, so we would have a big meal together, and we would do something together as a group. You know, hope, substantial, substantial teaching and praying, um, and then we'd break up again into groups. It's an elders meeting at Honeysuckle, <clears throat> plus Bradley good. Um, Christmas. Oh, sorry, I skipped that. that. Kiddos doing Christmas at some party is good. Good memory. More scrubbing. <laughs> uh, it's good to see the boys at work. Little, little Ethan in his jacket. So happy to be there. Bradley's scoping out work for the ceiling work. Bradley has been such... You and Bradley, I mean, you... You know, you, you prepare sermons and you counsel people. I don't know if you guys know this, but Rich, how I know him, there's a part of Rich that you just don't see publicly. There's a part of Rich where he's constantly doing lunch with people or breakfast or coffee with someone, constantly having people over at his house, constantly investing himself Sharing the gospel, for example, with people that were, had no little, that, that, that had very little likely added benefit to the, to the numbers of the church. Just continuing to meet with people that you would share the gospel with, um, invisible work that only God sees and maybe a few other brothers see. 
But Rich was working hard, hard to reach people. And I can say that about Bradley too. Bradley does so much that isn't visible. He's just laboring to reach the lost, laboring to bless the church, laboring to help with building stuff and um, hashing doctrine and Bible out with Rich. Um, but they've been amazing. Another ladies group retreat. I just these are sweet pictures with Stacy investing in her ladies and having you know, just cross-pollination of different clusters. I know that it, it's, it's not possible to have everyone as your friend in a church. So you have a squad, right? You've got a couple of ladies or a couple of guys you're close to. And it's nice to have events every so often where there's cross-pollination, where everybody gets together, gets to hang, hang out. Um, that's been really sweet. But th- so th- it's sweet. It, it is sweet to see the growth. It is sweet to see new faces and new friends in Christ. This is a sweet picture. This was the last men's outing. And I just think about the little four or five person Bible study we had at Beans and Brew and then a, a slow and steady growth. This is one of my favorite pictures of the Mission Church. Um, I just remember taking this picture, just stopping them and singing and taking this picture, and it was the, it was the Millers up front, and everyone kind of chooses their spot, keeps coming back to it to sit. And little sweet Lauren, Miller's singing. Christian, Lana, facilitating our worship. Victoria, singing and worshiping with you. This is, the, this is the good life. Worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ together as a church. It doesn't get any better than that. This is that. So I, I remember taking this picture and just thinking, this is my happy place. It's not work. I love my job. I love my job at work. It's not even my home on Delandre Lane, that, that is a happy, it's a different kind of happy place. That's a good place. I don't have any other friends and family, so to speak. That, I mean, well, I've got friends around the valleys, but this is my family. I have zero other blood family in, in the state. The Mission Church is my family. This is my happy place. Another timeline milestone. We got Luke Wayne became an elder. I'm going to speak to that a little bit. I want to back up a little bit and then, then get to why this is helpful for us, too. When we first moved to Utah, <clears throat> Laura and I had come from a really attractional model church, a big uh, a mega church. You want to define that? What's an attractional uh, model? Um, it sought to, as a, as a method to grow the church, would kind of survey what non-believers liked and then build a church based upon the answers to that survey. And so um, it was a gospel preaching church. We were really grateful and blessed to be part of a good church. We love that church. But we developed some convictions in the process of our, uh, our being called out to here and moving to Utah. And so I was hungry, hungry to grow in doctrine. I was hungry um, to, to grow in preaching and expository preaching especially. And um, I meet this guy who has this huge passion to reach Mormons. Which first off, I was just surprised at how few Christians that I found that were excited to reach Mormons. I was just really surprised by that. I was disappointed by that. I was so discouraged by that. How many 
ministry leaders and pastors that I ran into that I was like, so how about Mormons? Like, oh, yeah, well, that's, that's something that you'll run into out here. No, no, like, oh, I was so hungry. And so I met him and just fell in love with the, uh, the uh, doing Mormon ministry and you know, being well served by that. And my hunger for doctrine and for growing in my understanding of theology, I meet this, this brother who knows more than me in every category of theology, every category. Every once in a while, I'd find like a big word, and I'd be like, ha, hey, so what do you think about this? He's like, well, there's four different views. I'm like, man, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> so I wrote an article on that at one time, okay. And so um, it was really helpful because it was just a good time for me to learn and grow, and selfishly, I was gaining so much from this brother. And I can say with confidence, if you have gained anything from any of the sermons that I have preached in my time that I've been here at the Mission Church, God has done that. God has blessed that. Uh, but somewhere in there, uh, it has been uh, impacted by the brotherhood that I have with my, my brother Aaron. And uh, I don't think that I would preach the way that I preach if I didn't know Aaron. I don't think that I would uh, think about doctrine the way that I do if I didn't know Aaron. So there's things you don't like about my doctrine. You could probably blame him. He's a part of that. But um, it was such a, an incredible help. And it, it meant that as we started this church that right off the bat, we knew that as we were setting up the concrete forms to lay the foundation, we wanted those to be true. And we were okay with it taking years to get those right. I, did, I felt so much patience from this brother. This wasn't like, it's, come on, come on, we got to do this, we got to do this. Come on, we got to get more people, we got to get... Uh, whenever I started feeling like that, this brother would just remind me of the, get those, get those foundation walls squared and true. And so we just invested so much time. There's an expectation that church plants will do what they call a launch, a public launch. I barely remember that. We did one, I think, technically, because all of our supporters outside were like, what's your launch date? And we're like, we've been meeting. We've been slowly just pouring concrete into these forums. We finally had a date. We're like, what? we have to, okay, fine, let's just do one. Um, but he was an enormous uh, help and encouragement and all that and a great brother. Um, when we added Benjamin uh, to our, our board, it was an additional bonus to us that he was an older brother in Christ. Um, we had been praying for that, and that was, that was awesome. But we didn't have to sacrifice one thing in the love for doctrine and a desire to stick true to the word of God. Uh, Benjamin had all of that, and so we were eager to, to uh, have him join. And um, then as we were praying, like as the church was growing, we're starting to feel um, the, the, the weight of more sheep than shepherd proportions that we felt like we could confidently manage. And we just like, I think we need to be prayerful for another elder if God would so bless us with one. And uh, Luke really uh, shone in that whole process. And I was thinking about it. We invited him to come to elder meetings for a while and told him we're hoping that this would be, be something that would serve our church well. And um, so when we added at Luke as well, this has just kind of been a little bit of a building project at the elder board here that has been very robustly doctrinally founded. We really love theology. We're willing to argue and bicker and fight over it because we care about every word. But that's not what the word says. We'll, we'll go through all that stuff. And I think that there's been so many ways that these brothers have blessed the Mission Church. Um, and uh, uh, so I'm grateful for all these elders. And I know that when we added Aaron, uh, nobody questioned. Wait, why Aaron? When Aaron became an elder, everyone was like, well, yeah, well, yeah, of course, of course. Of course, this brother should, should be an elder at our church. And so I'm, I'm actually really grateful because Luke's written a lot of articles too. So, so, now, so now if he's, if he's not going to be on elder board with us here at the local church area, 
If I have uh, those, who's written an article on this doctrine question? I believe my brother Luke can do that for me now. This is a sweet memory for me, is when we, as elders, got fed up with not meeting. And so um, we thought, well, I think we can do this in a compliant way, at least up front, at least at the beginning. So we were able to meet outside as a church. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but there are churches in the valley that are still not meeting. And there, most of them, most of them, and many of the churches that are still, that, are, that have restarted in earnest a gathering um, are doing so at a loss of, of a lot, like a huge percentage of people just aren't coming again. Now there's, that's complicated because you might have some older people, you might have um, high-risk people, um, so there's very, we're slow to judge and slow, you know, just, you got to figure that out. But the mission church is sort of an outlier. We have some older folks that still aren't coming for understandable reasons. Um, but we've grown during COVID. Do you know how nutty that is in the church world? Do you know how dis, in my, we, in my amateurish estimation, the mission church has a very high degree of highly committed, highly participatory, highly invested people. So when the mission church said we're meeting again, virtually everybody that could be there came. Eagerly, quickly, happily, happily. Uh, we, are, we are lavished at the mission church with a wide variety of people with different skills given to us at the right season of life, right time. You are a gift to the church, and we are, we're so blessed. But I want to ask you some questions here, brother. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Can I finish my pictures out real quick? Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah, just, yeah, we'll, just, we'll just end the pictures and get on to the other stuff. just wanted to honor my friends Andrew and Mike, Lee, we call ourselves the Four Amigos, but it was kind of a carryover from the earlier small group. We just have a running WhatsApp thread. You're my friends, and I love you. I hate leaving you. You boys need to get yourself a squad. You need to get yourself a texting thread with two or three other guys that you can talk about your failures with, who can tell you you're being stupid, who can share a daily Bible verse with you, who can encourage you. You can't be friends with everybody in the same way. You need to get yourself a squad. That's true for ladies and it's true for dudes. One really sweet memory, I think this is at the end of my, my last slide is we uh, had a small group in a later season with the Wilsons and the Smiths and the Shafawalafs, which is basically the youth group. <laughs> and so on Sunday night, we'd have basically this small group of mixed fam families and their kids, and on Monday night, they'd have the same kids for young, uh, youth group. But it was really special to have the Smith kids there and the Smiths there and the Wilsons there. Just a bunch of like preteens and teens on couches, 
Some of y'all nodding off in the back because you stayed up too late the night before. And we're going through Proverbs, learning wisdom, praying together. That's a sweet memory. So that's what I got for slides. Why are you moving? Instrumentally, COVID was a catalyst. Um, it's funny, we've had all these conversations about homeschooling, and all of a sudden my kids are all home, <laughs> either being homeschooled or, you know, hybrid online schooled. Um, and I was working from home, and a lot of our weekly commitments, gym, dance, sports, all of that just got cut. And it gave me some freedom to think about doing some things going forward with big family decisions. Um, I've always wanted to go to seminary. It's my dream to go to seminary. I'm a nerd, and I want to be in ministry for the rest of my life. So it seems wise to do academic training and be around some older dudes who have been teaching for decades and then absorb some more maturity and come back, hopefully, and invest years. It, it seems prudent. It also seems prudent because I'd like to do more apologetics, which requires more academic investment. I think if done at a certain level, if I could do that more um, responsibly and uh, with more precision, I want to be a blessing to the church. I'm not running away from anything here, that's for sure. What would you hope, as our pastor, what would you hope for the Mission Church? This is just a repeat nugget of wisdom, but the Bible gives us, it, it, Google this sometime, Google one another commandments of the New Testament, and you're going to get dozens of love one another, confess your sins to one another, put up with one another, forbear with one another, forgive one another, meet the needs of one another, and you're going to get a couple dozen of those. And if you really meditate on those, you can't obey those passages without being in community with other believers. So that's why being a part of a local church, and, and, and relationally so, where you're, you're, you're close enough to people where they start bothering you, where you start having to forgive people, where you start meeting personalities that you just don't like, or you start having people drama, do you realize that can actually be like a, like a positive sign that you're being faithful in a local church? You're getting close enough to other people that you love. You're not just picking and choosing your relationships and avoiding all the awkward. You know, just, no, you just, you just love people. Um, so when you do that faithfully, you're going to get wounded and you're going to get hurt and you're going to get um, offended. And this is where the gospel shines. Because the logic of the gospel is that Jesus loved me when I was his enemy, when I was irrational, when I was sinful, when I was a punk, when I was immature, when I was a sinner, when I was not thoughtful. And God forgave me. He adopted me. He justified me. He gave me eternal life. He gave me a new song to sing. He set me at a nice place at the table, gave me a new set of clothes, gave me a bath, a literal one. He gave me friends in Christ. Who am I to have that? Who is Aaron Shafawalaf, arrogant, lusty, punk, cocky kid at 17 years old 
who's, who's okay with idolatry, who am I that God would just save me and teach me to love my enemies? So the logic of the gospel in church is now I can get close enough to people to love and serve them, and when they hurt me, you love your neighbor, the closer they get, the more they can hurt you. When they hurt me, I can start forgiving them because God forgave me when I didn't deserve it, so I'm going to give other people love when they don't deserve it. So that, that's going to help your relationships. I, I would hope you all would remember that and stick it out when you start getting through people drama. Keep, keep people on your prayer list when you're having bad relationship issues and start loving people. But, um, you guys are really blessed by Rich. He's got a backbone. And I think we've got a season of life on our hands right now, especially where God has called for the backboned men to rise up. There's some soft, thin-skinned, seminary-trained pastors out there who are not courageous. And courage comes at a cost, right? It's like getting a fire hose out. There's splash damage at times, and it's good to have a board of elders that apply wisdom, right? But it's good to turn the fire hose on. It's good to practice courage. So you're really blessed by this. I don't think we know what we have until we lose it. It's hard to imagine being here at the Mission Church for another 20 years with a steady, stable diet of the Word of God and your kids not growing up well and your, family, and your, and your spouse not. I mean, don't you want to die at... Sorry, that sounds morbid up front, but... The, don't you, don't, if, you, if you die at 80 years old and your wife has another 15 years to, to live, don't you want her to be in a good place where she's getting to fed the word of God in a community of people that love her? Church planning puts you in positions where you're start, you, know, you might start a new church or an infant, join an infant church. But at some point, Christians have to aim for being oak trees. I love that analogy. And what's, what's the vision of the mission church? It's two things. One, it's multiplication of faithful local churches in Utah. Who knows how that'll happen in years to come. Maybe Bradley's uh, Sunday night group will get too big. <laughs> you guys need to start a church. We'll take half of y'all. Um, the other goal is oak trees. The other goal is Christian grandpas and Christian grandmas. So have a vision for growing old in the Lord. How, how sad is it when you get together for a family function with extended family and there's an old man who's a fool and all he could care about is making jokes with the young kids and saying inappropriate things and getting laughter out of it. How much more appropriate and dignified, dignifying would it be for you to be 65 years old someday and to be an oak tree of wisdom and stability and maturity and Bible and kindness and love and perseverance. And maybe at that point your grandkids are going through divorce, drama, but they know that they've got a granddad out there who's an oak tree and they go talk to you 
and they know that you're there. And how awesome would it be for the state of Utah to have people infrastructure in local churches with Christian grandpas and Christian grandmas and those oak trees. So that, that's sort of got on my heart at this moment. Well, I thought I'd cry a lot more. <laughs> Here I go. Aaron Schaff-Walloff is the best friend I've ever had. Thank you, brother. And there's no close second. It goes, what God says, what my wife says, what Aaron says. I care more about what he says than any other human on this planet other than my wife. Um, I've been blessed. I love you, brother. I've been very blessed to have Aaron as a brother. And uh, I think that you guys uh, know that. And I think he's blessed you as well. And um, I've been blessed to know his wife. I've been blessed for Stacy to be a sister. Uh, moving on out, doing, doing this was the hardest thing I'd ever done. And uh, having the Schaffwall of a stable, committed fearless part of that was like, just like a backboard. You're like, you know, play basketball, shoot the ball. It's like a backboard. It's like all your little thoughts that go over a little bit, boom, stop and fall, fall through the net. And they're so stable and they're so faithful and they're imitable. And um, uh, Aaron's seven months older than me. And uh, I feel like I could say with confidence, when I grow up, I want to be like Aaron. And uh, I, feel, I feel like that. I feel like that in so many areas. Um, and uh, he has served this church well. Um, he has wept for the lost. And he's wept for the saved. And he has been willing to do more things than you will ever know behind the scenes that will never get any praise. And, and not just do them with like a kind of reluctance or like a, well, you know, I might as well do it, but with joy. This guy joyfully gets to the back of the line. And uh, I just pray that he'll be able to serve a, another church where he goes. I pray that Stacy will find a fellowship of believers where she goes, that she'll be able to raise your kids up in a house, that, uh, house of God that loves you. Uh, you will not find a church that loves you as much as we do, but we want you to try. <laughs> try, to, try to do that. And um, I wanted to just spend a little bit of time tonight and just pray for the Shafwala family as they... Um, get ready to take this next uh, step on their journey. And actually, like, can we step down here real quick and we'll have uh, people kind of come up, but I, wa I want to actually have both Aaron, I'm going to ask for both Aaron and Stacy just to share real quick um, <clears throat> ways that they think you, they would ask for you to pray for them. And, and Stacy, when you do that, if there's anything else that you'd love for the, the body to hear, you, you, can, you can do that too. Um, so would you guys all stand where you are and kind of come up this way? I'm going to have them just share those, those prayers right here, and we're just going to do some popcorn prayer, and then I'll, then I'll wrap up our time together that way with a, a, part, a passage I want to read from the Word. Uh, 
I'm going to pass this mic off to Stacy and ask for both of you guys to share um, some words with the church and then uh, what you'd like, to, like for us to pray for. Pray for my kids to grow up in the Lord. I know that's what, I wish the Smiths were here. I'd look at them right now and say, I know that y'all and I have the same biggest desire. It's just that our kids would grow up, know the Lord someday. All of them, all three of them. Um, where you don't have any family out there, and we have some acquaintances there, but just pray for our, we make friends. Um, I'm going to be going to seminary and work a full-time job, and I'll probably have an itch to scratch with evangelism. Um, so pray that I wouldn't burden my family with bad time management. I would love if, if you could pray that God would give me a few solid mentors, old guys. I don't know what God has in store. It'd be really cool to find a squad there and come back to Utah with my squad, if God would provide that. But we're going to go to a, a little three-bedroom apartment with half the square footage here, certainly, probably with too much stuff. Uh, with the Tetris uh, U-Haul. So it's just probably going to be a stressful couple of weeks. Um, first, uh, I appreciate um, the honor, especially with like kids ministry in the beginning, but I do want to make it clear I was not the only one doing kids ministry. <laughs> Other women in the church were in there. It's just that those are the pictures we have. <laughs> um, and then um, you guys can just pray for me. It's been a very stressful week, uh, summer, <laughs> um, and it will be stressful for the next few weeks as the kids start school and we start school. Um, I am starting um, seminary classes with Aaron, but I don't know what that will look like. I don't know how long I'll be able to continue. But um, We were in the car a couple days ago and she was like, want to do Greek flashcards together right now? And I was like, that's how it happened. <laughs> I think he was doing Greek class for lash cards and I just started jumping in on some of the words and he got excited. <laughs> um, but you can uh, pray for me because when I get stressed, I get snappy with my husband, with my kids and they get the worst of me. So um, just pray that um, I don't do that. <laughs> um. Would you like to, um, before we pray, would you like to say anything to the ladies about just um, gratitude and um, farewell. I'm just thankful for the church. Um, it was hard to leave Lifeline. Uh, we've lived in Utah for almost 15 years, and there have been long portions of loneliness. And um, so leaving Lifeline was very difficult. And yet God has blessed um, our move to the Mission Church with even closer friendships and um, more in-depth relationships and um, people that I love. And I just would encourage all of you to commit to um, Bible study, small group, because that's where my friends have come from. So... I think that's it. Just thank you for being 
my friends, thank you for loving me, my kids, my husband, my family. Benjamin, Luke, could you guys come up here real quick? I'm just going to pray with them and offer a prayer for the, uh, others who want to pray as well. The Bible actually has um, a, a story about a group of Christians sending out an elder, sending out a beloved pastor when Paul leaves the Ephesians in Acts chapter 20. I just want to read this real quick because um, I know that for many of you, much of this will feel very, uh, uh, very true of our brother Aaron and our sister Stacy and how much we love them. So I just want to read this out loud and uh, then we're going to have a time of prayer together. <clears throat> this is from Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Now from Miletus, he, Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time, from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house testifying to both Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and now behold I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit not knowing what will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among you, among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Um, I was told by a beloved pastor one time, Rich, if you want to be a missional church, you have to send out your best people. Your very best. And so uh, I'm eager to see what God does, because God is awesome. And how he'll use the shaft wallops and, uh, until they come back. And if God has something else, we'll see him. So um, I want to just give a chance to pray. Um, Brother Luke, could you start opening up and then... Um, We'll actually put mics down so whoever wants to do it can do it. Uh, Pastor Luke will start, uh, open up prayer for you guys. And then anyone who else who would like to pray, please do so. Um, Benjamin, if you could go and then I'll, I'll close. Sound good? Let's do it.